This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Good to have you along. Josh Harris was the author of the best-selling book, Why I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And he, that book came out, I think, 10 or 20 years ago. It's been quite some time. And then, as you might have seen, there's been a, um, a chain, uh, a line of people who have publicly renounced their faith recently. And he was one of them. And... So he was a big name in, in Christian culture for a while, and but he came out and basically said he, he was walking away from faith, walking away from Christianity, and and then recently he came out and set up a website, an online course on basically how you can walk away from the faith. It's called it was called Reframe Your Story, and it was on how to deconstruct your faith, which basically means it was a course on how you can walk away from Christianity. And he was charging $275 for this course. And it just made me sick when I saw that because this this shows just how bad it's gotten when people are trying to set up a course to show you how to walk away from God. <clears throat> And this should add to a sense of urgency. Remember, and I think it's First Timothy four where it talks about he talks about in the end times many will fall away from the faith. And I, you know, I, I'm no prophet, and I can't put my hand on that. But we're exactly where we are. But it sure feels like there's a lot of people walk, walking away from the faith, and they're doing it publicly these days. And so, what that should do. There should be a sense of urgency in our churches. We should be having people on their knees praying for mercy every single weekend service. And as you might have remembered, me and my family have been looking for a new church, and I'm not seeing much of a sense of anything. Um, They barely even, the churches we're visiting are barely even mentioning stuff like this. It's almost like a bizarre disconnect where all the moral collapse in the outside world somehow doesn't reach inside the doors and the, the understanding that we have to be equipping people in the issues they're struggling with and that we're not equipping them on having a faith worth dying for. So I want to keep challenging you and encouraging you to go there in your churches and to go in places where people are in bondage and sexual sin and mental health issues and spiritual warfare and equip them. And so today I have a co-host from Oklahoma. I have Mrs. Sandy England. Sandy is 
the leader and the facilitator of our wives' ministry. She's a spiritual warrior and a fighter, and she works with women every day. And Sandy, welcome. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) So we're going to flip the roles a little bit, and Sandy's going to take over as the host for the rest of the show. We'll do something a little different, and she's going to be asking me questions. And I don't know what she's going to ask, so this is all off the cuff. Well, thank you for the opportunity to actually get to ask the questions that come up in the Wife's Heart group and to get your insight. Um, one of the things that comes up quite often in the Wife's Heart group is holding, when we go through the course, we ask the husband to meet with us and give us updates on what they're doing to build trust and open the communications. A lot of times that starts falling by the wayside after a couple of weeks. Um, the wives are kind of frustrated um, because they're really wanting to build the trust in the relationship again with their husband. But things start getting busy or in the way. We're kind of curious as to possibly what's going through the husband's heart. Where is he when he starts missing those appointments or missing that opportunity to connect with his wife. Do you know, Mm -hmm. could you share what they're possibly going through? Um, Let me just ask for a little bit of context. Are these guys who are just getting into the recovery process? Usually, or have been into it for a little bit. They've gone through the group or some other program, and the wives are very encouraged because they want that rapport. And the first maybe... Mm, four or five weeks, they're doing well. And then all of a sudden, as the wife sometimes, and I quote, I don't want to be his mother and remind him to meet with me. Mm. So it's, I'd say, pretty new in the recovery. Yeah, I'll throw a few things out. Let's just go back a little bit. Um, most men did not grow up with close relationships with their father. I led a men's conference 20 years ago, and I remember asking the men who were there to raise their hands, who had a close relationship with dad growing up, and not one single hand growing up went up. So men are growing up, and they don't know what to do with their feelings. They don't know what to do with their heart. Intimacy, true intimacy of the heart, not sex I'm talking about. I'm talking about true intimacy of the heart scares them to death. And then... uh, and so they move along, and then they get hooked on porn, and porn doubles and triples that effect because in pornography, now you're training yourself to isolate and to hide, and you're hardening your heart, and you're putting layers on top of your heart. And then usually what happens is um, 10, 20, 30 years into the marriage, wife catches the husband or something blows up. All of a sudden, the husband realizes, I got to change. And this is all brand new for him. And so there's a number of things going on, I think. I think for some men, it's terrifying. Um, I think for some men, they're still playing games and they don't really want to change or just kind of going along because, well, my wife is on me about this. I'm going to do it. And and those men would scare me um, because they don't realize yet that they're putting their marriages at risk. And, but the guys who are genuinely want to connect with their wives but are scared to, grace and patience and kindness are going to take them a lot further than beating them on the head. 
So it's kind of a mixture there, and it depends on the guy and where he's at. Mm. That's very good. How would you, you know, the how would you help the wife, or what would you say? I know what we talk about in groups, but it's always great to get your insight on what does that look like. How can we remind them without feeling like the mother or the warden to keep the appointments? How do we do that with grace when, you know? A lot of wives, their comments and feelings are, well, if I was important to him, he would keep this appointment. If our marriage was important, how do we, you know our wounds, you know where we've been, how do we gently have grace and stuff when we're still wounded and the husband doesn't always keep the appointments to then? It just kind of adds to that. How can a wife stand firm not necessarily be a Sandy, but stand firm and ask them, is this important to you? And if not, what are we going to do? Mm. Well, first thing, it begins with prayer. Um, I think it's critical for the wife to be on her knees every day for her husband. God, would you heal my husband's heart? I think it's critical for the wife to be plugged into a group with other women where they're praying for their marriage. And not just him, but her all the time. I think I think prayer is a great game changer and they just if they start doing this in their flesh usually that doesn't go very well <laughs> so I think part of it is God and walking with the Lord we talk about turn and connect so mm-hmm. turn and connect is a way of life it's not just when we get hit with lust or fear or whatever it is so it's Lord what do you want me to do today with my husband how do you want me to approach this I don't want to do this in my strength, Father, so would you show me what you want me to do? I would also say if, ladies, you got a husband who's one of those who's scared of intimacy, how would you treat a five-year-old? Because yeah. um, what happens is a lot of men stop developing emotionally when they get into pornography, so you're literally dealing with an adolescent, a teenager. And I've heard a lot of men say over the years, uh, I stopped developing as soon as I got into pornography. Sometimes you tell the five-year-old, um, hey, we're going to do this and you know, we're gonna, we need this because. And sometimes confrontation is needed. Um, you just want to – sometimes that confrontation can be like threading the needle though because if you go in there with a jackhammer, it's not going to – chances are it's not going to be received very well. So it's speak the truth and love. Hey, this is critical. We need this. Trust is – been broken and shattered. I need this. Our marriage needs this. And you speak the truth. Um, you don't back down from the truth, but you. one thing is you do not do it every single day. So if you're on them every day, that's, that's not good either. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some wisdom. You have to give them some space to grow. But at the same time, you can't sit there in a corner and allow yourself to be swallowed up in bitterness and fear. You have to reach out and, and speak out at times. Excellent. Thank you. I'm, I know we talk about this in group all the time and the support from the other ladies within the group. We talk about that pray and that kind of stuff. But thank you for sharing the insight of what they're, they're possibly afraid to communicate. They're, you know, after years of guilt and shame, I think that's hard for them to look at the wife and say they're still carrying the guilt and shame even though they're walking. And the wife, I think it helps that we have 
other wives and your feedback on what they're doing, and it's worth it. I know in the Wife's Heart group, we talk about strength, and I think sometimes we it's human nature, I believe, when we talk strength and being strong, it sometimes feels like we have to have the sledgehammer and, or ha- jackhammer, whatever you said, to get them to pay attention. When I think we have to sometimes rest and let God fight that battle in their hearts. And sometimes we have to keep reminding them, do you want to work on this marriage? And if so, you need to communicate with me. So stand firm in that. So, well, I'll tell you that sometimes 10 words spoken in kindness can cut far deeper than 100 words spoken in rage. Because mm-hmm. when somebody's speaking in kindness, um, they're also doing it in love, and that's, that can get in a lot deeper than the core of the heart. And, but there are some guys that, you know, adolescent. <laughs> <laughs> right. They need a little swat on the rump. Um, thank you, Mike, for sharing that because that's one of the things we talk about in groups and it's hard for us. Um, we get so focused on our healing and what we're doing and turning and connecting um, that we want so desperately for the husband to hear us. And when they are being adolescents and avoiding the point or the meeting, we feel rejected again. Mm. So... Um, prayer is critical. We talk about that all the time. So thank you for your input on that. And do I get to ask you another question? All you want. I'll just interject one thing, and that is that the shame is very powerful. Mm. So that um, I'm just going to go into the sexual relationship. So when, when there are couples that maybe they haven't had sex for a while because of this disclosure and the man knows that the wife knows what he's been looking at. Mm. And so when you're in the sexual relationship, you're bearing your heart and that's very, can be very humiliating and frightening. When a guy knows his wife's been looking at disgusting images, at the same time I know on the wife's side, it's what is he thinking about? There's that, there's that fear factor. So, um, the shame can be a very powerful driver of things if he doesn't look at that himself and, and understand that he cannot let him let it drive him. Mm. That, yes, you're absolutely right because we talk about in the wife's heart groups um, and even the prayer groups and stuff is what are they thinking? I can't be intimate with him because I don't trust that he's even thinking that I'm even there. So you're absolutely right. The shame and guilt um, that the husband is carrying in and then the enemy uses against the wife, I believe in many cases, doubt and fear. So how do you, (laughs) this kind side note, how do you suggest, I know we talk about praying together constantly, but there's such a gap. How do I think people's expectations are we're both going through a group. We should be fine in six to eight weeks. Um, But how do they bridge that gap of praying together? Little tiny prayers, you know, how do they start praying together so that intimacy in the relationship, not only with each other but with the Lord, starts being bridged? 
I mean, how do they get a start? Is that what yeah, you Yeah, how do they start that? How do they, without somebody being the boss and somebody being the adolescent, how do, do you know what I mean? The women always feel like they're the boss. Well, not always. I speak very generally. Um, a lot of women feel he won't do it unless I make him. And they don't want that. They want that bridge to heal together. How would you suggest a wife deal with that? Well, you make an important point, and there is truth to that because what happens is pornography cripples the man spiritually and emotionally. So they lose their sense of spiritual leadership. And the shame compounds that when you're looking at a guy who had no connection with dad, you're supposed to teach him on how to be a leader in the home. A lot of guys are working with a blank slate. Um, And I provide this information not to justify, but just to help people see that this is not just an easy slam dunk thing on both sides. But I think it begins with we have to have an agreement together as in a couple. We're going to make an agreement that this is critical for a marriage. And there are statistics. One survey came out years ago by Gallup that couples who do not pray together daily divorce one out of two or the three or whatever the national average is. Couples who do pray together daily divorce one out of 1,056. So this is a great game changer, and it's critical for the marriage, and I think it begins with setting an agreement that we will strive to do this, but you know what? Life happens. We don't know who's going to make it happen. Same thing in my marriage. There's there's days we're not able to do that, but um, we are going to strive for this. And some people have this expectation, like, I need to do this big flowing prayer. And mm-hmm. there's t- sometimes my wife and I are, don't want to be around each other. And the best we can do is God help us. We don't even look each other in the face. But just God help us is plenty. Right. <laughs> people have this idea that, you know, prayer is about <sighs> preaching a sermon, not even close. It's... If it doesn't come from the heart, you're almost wasting your time. Mm. So it's, God, I don't know how to pray. Show me how to pray. God, I don't know what how to talk to my wife. Show me how to do that. God, we don't know how to heal. Show us how to heal. It's just honest and open prayer. I agree. You're bringing up a point um, kind of with this situation as we talk about in the wife's heart group numerous times, get rid of expectations get rid of expectations. They're going to be fine in six weeks. Get rid of expectations. He knows how to pray. Get rid of expectations that this is going to be an easy path because God's in the middle. I mean, we once we have those expectations, we start falling into um, doubt and fear if they, our expectations aren't met. I'm only speaking from the wife's side are the men having those expectations? You forgave me, so we should be right back where we were. How does it, do the husbands experience that expectation that fell and caused strife? Yeah, big time. Um, both sides have years, a years-long recovery process. <clears throat> the wife has been wounded by the primary relationship in her life. And this is not going to take, this is not an eight-week course on one and done type thing. And yay, we're all good. And the men have, literally have to learn how to be a man, everything that comes with that, and and 
grow through all the shame and rebuild their character and learn how to cope with less and spiritual warfare. And she has to deal with all those things. So, But a big mistake a lot of men make, and I I hate it when I hear this, is a guy will say to his wife, hey, why aren't you, gonna, why aren't you over this yet? And that is the worst thing that a husband can say to his wife because really what he's really saying is, I don't care about your heart. I don't want to deal with this. Let's get on with this, which shows that the man is not recovered. It shows that he has a lot of healing to do because the, the gauge of a man's recovery is not the days of abstinence. It's how he's treating his family. It's how he's treating his wife, how he's treating his kids. He's treating with love, kindness, and compassion. That's the gauge. I'm smiling. Thank you for sharing that because that is you. Thank you for sharing that because a lot of wives. Well, my husband says he's been a year without, and it's like, well, that's awesome. But how's he treating? How's his fruit? Where's his heart? How's he? You know, if we hear a lot of times, you said you forgive me. Why are we still going over this? And we talk about. I forgave you, I'm learning to trust you, and those kind of comments just set me back 10 steps. Mm -hmm. So you explaining the gauge is not how many days they've been sober or clean or whatever, but how much they're changing their heart and understanding and growing with their family. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So, What else, boss? Well, I'm trying to think. (laughs) I just, there's so many times in... um, I want to, the wives want to understand what the husbands are thinking. We talk to each other. We have each other. We build that relationship. But we do not understand where a husband's heart is. And you've done really good at sharing that they're like adolescents. They're hard. They're that kind of stuff. When a husband has betrayed his wife, there's guilt and shame. But what kind of battle are they going through internally? You know, do you remember? Do you? I know Dusty's very adamant about what he feels and stuff. But is it like a daily battle? The wives, as you know, we care with our hearts. Our whole thing is our hearts. And if we could understand the struggle a husband's going through, the attacks by the enemy, the attacks of their thoughts and emotions, maybe we could walk better. But we don't understand. We just see it that they're attacking us. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, uh, what often happens is a guy gets hooked on porn, age 8, 9, 10. He spends decades immersing himself in all that filth, decades of masturbation to pornography or other forms of sexual sin. So what all that does is it turns his heart into a rock. But during that time, there's been all sorts of thoughts floating through his head if you really told somebody what you're doing they would not accept you the shame is debilitating so I I always used to hate from those is the shame hangover those would last for me they would last like three or four days before I started to feel a little bit normal but the problem is once you start feeling a little bit normal uh (laughs) Then the uh, the pull comes in all over again, and then if you're not equipped to deal with it on how to overcome temptation, 
you fall, you can fall right back in again. For some guys, it could be five days. For some days, it could be 30 to 60 days. It doesn't matter. You're still in bondage whether it's a week or a month or two months. But the shame and the pull are very powerful and very debilitating. And I don't think a lot of people understand that pull unless they've been in it because it's a combination of a chemical imbalance, the emotional pull from a heart, an empty heart and a hard heart, plus a spiritual battle. When you combine those three, it's very overwhelming and very intense. I remember I'd walk into a hotel room alone, and as soon as I hit that door, it'd be like this gigantic pull, and waves of lust would just hit me. And I had no idea how to handle that. And um, at the time, it was very confusing. And, you know, I'd offer a very weak prayer, and then 20 seconds later, the stupid TV's on, and down I go. So it's an intense battle for the mind and the heart and very shaming. And we're just about out of time, and I think we should probably pick this up at the next show. And so your listeners know next week, Sandy's going to be joining me again, and she will be, will be picking this conversation up. But I do want to leave you with this is a very profound and a very powerful addiction. It's not something you can get over very easily. So we'll pick this up up again next week. And thank you for joining us. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.